of the Daily Walk. I'm your host, Wayne Clevenger, and today the writer of Hebrews is trying to encourage us in this long walk with Jesus. We need to keep the faith, and you hear that said sometimes, keep the faith, and in doing so, we are in chapters Hebrews 11 through 13. We're going to close out Hebrews today. Chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It's known as the faith chapter. And it really is a chapter of perseverance, you know, living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in his great love. It's all about keeping the faith. And it's the history chapter of all those that lived by faith from the archives and how they endured and how they did well. And, you know, it starts out with all the greatness of our faith patriarchs. And it's really good. But the very first verse is faith defined. And I think, you know, I I mentioned how we saw the word hope a lot and how it was going to come be recognized soon and here it is recognized because in the definition of hope in chapter 11 verse 1 we have this verse that defines hope faith shows the reality of what we hope for it is the evidence of things we cannot see so I want to just take a minute and go back to Jesus walking the earth. And if we look at a lot of his healings and miracles, the one thing Jesus always would say to the people receiving the healing was, your faith has healed you. And what we got to do is look at that because by definition faith shows the reality of what we hope for and the one thing that stands out to me is the woman with the bleeding disorder for 12 years her hope was if she could just get to the hem of his garment pushing through the crowds and this is huge because she's a woman that's known to be ceremonially unclean because she has a bleeding disorder. She spent all she has on trying to get this remedied. So people know her. She has a reputation, yet she's not concerned about that because all her hope is in Jesus. And so she uh, puts all she has in her hope that if she can just touch the hem of his garment, she'll be 
healed. That's the faith she has that if she just doesn't concern herself with what people think because she trusts in her Jesus so much that all it takes is a touch of his garment, she'll be healed. And then when she touches it and she is healed, the evidence of what she never saw before is the healing. So in the second part of this definition, it's the evidence of things we cannot see. The evidence of what she couldn't see was being healed. Because for all those years, she never saw healing. And now with the faith of what she hoped for, her faith becomes sight. And the evidence in that is the healing. So this definition, I love it because it, it talks about keeping our hope real. And so this says as long as we have hope, there's faith. Or as long as we have faith, there's hope. And as long as those two come together, anything is possible, right? Well, hold on. Didn't Jesus say that? Anything is possible with God, right? So it goes on and talks about the faith of, I hope that helps see that this is a good thing, okay? Talks about the faith that Abel had when he gave a more acceptable offering. That That's some good stuff talks about the faith that Enoch was taken to heaven without dying. He just disappeared and God took him up to heaven. But it's also says it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. See, we have that. That's a real statement because we have to have hope in our eternal life in Jesus and believe that the evidence of what we can't see, what happens after we leave this world, is going to manifest. And how do we do that? Well, we keep our hope in Jesus and then we watch what Jesus does in this life which keeps our hope and our faith alive for what happens after this life. And when we do that, keep our faith alive in this life, we see things manifest in this life all the time that keeps us going to know that this faith we have in Jesus is real enough that if it's happening now, it's going to happen later. So we know that when God answers prayers now, then we're assured that this heaven we're seeking, that evidence we're not seeing yet, is going to be real because he said it would. And so we get to see that in the things that we witness in this lifespan. And all of us have stories about things that we prayed for, things that we hoped for, things that we needed, things that God just blessed us with. And so what I really like about this next section is how God points out how these things come to be in this life because he talks about 
Noah building the ark. And Noah builds an ark because God warned him about things that had never happened. But yet Noah builds it anyway. They'd never seen rain. They'd never seen floods to that extent. But yet Noah builds it anyway, trusting God. All right? So the reality of what he's hoping for is I'm hope I'm building this hoping that what God told me is real, not that he wanted the whole earth to be destroyed, but I'm building this even though people are making fun of me, people are mocking me, people don't believe in me because God told me to. So if God's called you to do something and everyone seems to think you're nuts over it, but you know for sure God's called you to do it, and you're the only one standing there doing it, you need to follow through with it because if you know for certain God's called you to do it, then there's a reason. And you think about how long it took Noah to build that, and people are you know, looking at him, especially when it's getting big. Think about that. The bigger it got, the more pronounced it got, the more obvious it got. People are thinking, what a nutcase. What is he doing? And then think about this, when, when all the animals start coming and they're getting into the boat, people are thinking, what's he building? A giant animal cage? But then think about this, because of his faith and all that he did and things that have never happened before, but because God told him to, and then the rains come and then the floods start happening, because of Noah's faith, the evidence of what he hadn't seen becomes sight. And that ark floats. And everything that God had told him, even though it, been, it was something that had never happened before, comes to be. And that's the kind of faith the Lord might be putting on us one day to just trust him even when we can't see. Whoa, that's cool. And then he goes into, you know, the story of Abraham and telling Abraham to go to a land that he had no idea where he was going. And even when he got there, he lives in tents. And he tells him, you're going to have as many descendants as there is sand on the sea. And then he tells him he's going to have his own son, but he, you know, we know the story. He he says, I don't know how that's going to happen because I'm old. Sarah's old. But then Sarah has her own son, even when she's 100. These are things that can't be, okay? They're just things that, that just don't happen, right? But here's the thing. We have to believe that with God anything is possible. So when we're praying for things, it's not for us to try to figure out. And that's what I always got to tell myself when I'm praying to the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sitting there trying to figure out, well, it could come from here. It could be this way. It could be that way. When we're praying and we're really relying on God and we have faith, we just got to believe that God's going to take care of it and not try to take care of it for him or figure it out for him because in reality, if it's coming from God, it's going to come from somewhere we never had any idea. That's what makes it from God. 
because God does it in his way, in his own direction, and that's what makes it from God. You know, and he talks about the faith of Joseph who said he knew his people were going to leave Egypt one day. Remember at the time Joseph got all the people, his, you know, his family's reunited in Egypt. Everything was good. Pharaoh treated him nice, but he knew that things were going to shift and they would have to leave Egypt one day. And he says, when you leave here, take my bones with you. Because he knew it was not going to be pleasant. And yet he himself doesn't see that. But he sees the future. Remember, Joseph was able to interpret dreams. The Lord spoke through Joseph. So he he got to see that. Moses, Moses leads the people out of Egypt. And when he does it, think about this. They're standing at the banks of the Red Sea. The enemy's coming up behind them. The Egyptians are coming up behind them. And they're crying out, Lord, did you bring us out here just to die at the hands of these, to make it look, make us look bad? And the Lord says, you have the tools. Use them. Hold your staff over the water. And then by faith, these people walk through these two ginormous walls on each side of them on dry land and walk through the Red Sea by faith. See, the thing they hoped for was deliverance, and they get delivered, and they walk through this body of water on dry land, believing everything they had hoped for, they get a sea manifest right before them in ways that had never been done before. This never happened before. It's never happened again. Not to this magnitude. See, when we ask God, we got to expect God, but God wants us to use what we have too. Remember Jesus, when he's feeding 5,000, what do you have? And if we use what we have and God can multiply our faith, man, he can do anything. By your faith, you're healed. You know, so that's why I love this because it really accentuates the fact that we can't predict, we can't determine, we can't figure out, we can't sit here and try to draw a Venn diagram or a plan for what God's going to do. We just have to trust <laughs> and know that God's going to take care of us. And when we do, these people can over, we can overthrow kingdoms, we can see what God has promised, we can see the mouths of lions shut. We can quench the flames of fire, and we can escape death. Wow. Man, I was telling a story the other day. I, I had only had about three hours sleep, and I my church is an hour from me. And we had a big event on Saturday for youth. It was so awesome. And so we were there, and, and I was setting up, getting things ready, helping my associate pastor. It was an awesome pastor to work with shout out to Andy and I was tired so I you know I, I have this drink we drink to help us with stuff that's 
allowed for my health and wellness, and I drank that to come home and I because I thought, you know, I need something to help me stay awake. And even with that and my three hours, I they didn't help me. So I took this back way home that's not well, not highly traveled, but it's good roads. And I, I, I was like, man, I woke up. Yes, I said I woke up driving, and I'm still in the road. And and that was my first thought was, thank you, Lord. I'm on the road. My purpose of going that way home was so I wouldn't be around traffic. But the big thing was, and my car has those lane sensors on it, but you know those are only as good as the markings on the road. And my thought was, man, thank you, Lord, for watching over me. See, I escaped death or sure injury because the Lord was watching over me. Because everything that day was for his glory, and what we do is for his glory. And I know for a fact the Lord was watching over me. And I mean, that woke me up really good when that happened. But it's like there are things when we have our faith rooted in him that he helps us through, and it really keeps us grounded in the faith, knowing that everything, let's look at that definition again in 11.1. The reality of what we hope for, this life in Christ, is the evidence of things we cannot see. And if we are really looking for something, for God to do a real work in something, we have to know that when we're praying that, it's going to be some way we never expected. <laughs> It's just going to be like dropped out of nowhere because that's how God works. But this chapter closes with a reality too because we got to look at the other guys that kept the faith even in severe persecution because, you know, some of those real Bible believers, faith believers, lovers of Jesus like Stephen died by stoning, and even as they're dying by stoning, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they were doing. Some were killed by the sword. Remember, James was killed by Herod by the sword. And then some were wearing sheepskins and left in the wilderness to shout about Jesus, you know, John the Baptist, and they were beheaded. So there does come persecution, but those people still reach that thing that they are hoping for because it manifests in what they hadn't seen and it becomes sight for them because they see heaven even as martyrs for the word. For God has something better for them because they reach perfection. Because God lives in them and they reach that eternal heaven. And I think that's huge. So, I mean, I just spent like 
20 minutes just on the faith chapter. So in chapter 12, God wants us to be remembering that we need to surround, be surrounded by a huge, we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. And since we are surrounded by that huge crowd of witnesses, these people that have gone before us and people that live around us and people that share this life with us, we need to strip off everything that slows us down, especially sin in our life that will trip us up. We got to run this race with endurance, keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the, the champion of the race and initiates and perfects our faith. Because he gives us the opportunity to not struggle against sin. Because he can live within us by the infilling of the Holy Spirit and help us through this life. And that's the encouraging words he gives us in 12. So work at living in peace with everyone. Work at living a holy life. Because if you're not holy, you'll not see the Lord. And what that's really saying is... You know, as soon as Jesus was resurrected and he meets up with his disciples, it says, he, he and then he blew the Holy Spirit on him. When we receive Jesus, we receive some sense of holiness. So we got to have Jesus to, be, to begin this holy life, right? But then we know there's a second means of grace in the infilling of the Holy Spirit through sanctification that we really need more. And we got to have some to see Jesus. We got to have a relationship with Jesus and be saved to have Jesus. So watch out and <clears throat> let no poisonous root of bitterness grow up and trouble you, corrupting us. Remember, there can be no division. We got to have uni united, not divided mindsets. And uh, we, because we come not to a physical mount like Mount Sinai was to worship the Lord, we come to the living God in a heavenly Jerusalem where there's a joyful gathering. So come to Jesus, the one who meditates, one who mediates the new covenant between God and his people, which was sprinkled with his blood, and he mediates and advocates and speaks of forgiveness for us. And make sure we listen to the one who is speaking. So, in conclusion, on chapter 13, Paul puts this. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality, even to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Here's what really gets me, and I, I always make note of this when I'm in places. This verse is huge to me. Hospitality means being friendly, being, you know, showing people that you don't know. Show hospitality to strangers. That means say hello. That means greet them. That means be friendly. And I like being in large gatherings that are supposedly all of Christian people and see how they interact. <coughs> Excuse me. And you'll notice, or I notice, that those are some of the most unfriendly gatherings because people don't 
reach out to each other. They don't talk to each other. If they don't know each other because they're strangers, then they won't say one thing to each other. And to me, that's not scriptural. The Bible says to be hospitable to strangers. Acknowledge your presence. You are of one family, the family of God. Show that you care about each other. Ah. And, you know, I sit there and I take it in and I think, man, look at how bitter we are towards each other. And we're supposed to be all joyful families of the, of the family of God, joyful members of the family of God. And the Lord's sitting there, well, you're one too. You know, maybe you should initiate it. So, and I hear that. So I, I make sure I say my hellos and I have a good day and try to strike up. But there's people that are just not receptive to that. But then I know in my heart that I've done what I'm supposed to do because the Lord prods me in that every time. And so, no, that's scriptural. Hebrews 13, verse 2. Show hospitality to strangers, especially brothers and sisters in Christ. Come on, because it could be an angel you're speaking to, and you don't even know it. That could be God's servant sitting there that's trying to see where you're at in your walk, and here we just turn our back on them. So that, to me, is just a huge, 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 and it's highlighted big in my Bible. So give honor to marriage, remain faithful to one another. You know, that's huge to God. And and then remember, God said, I'll never fail you and never abandon you. That's huge. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? This is huge. Take that to work with you today. That's Hebrews 13, verse 6. Because Jesus, verse 8, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Woo-wee. So today, let's be hospitable. Remember, your God will never leave you or abandon you. And remember, he is your helper, so you have nothing to fear. What can mere people do to you? Because God is with you. Have a great Wednesday. It's hump day. So let's run this with endurance and know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And don't forget to do good and share with those in need because that's what really pleases God. Have a great day. We'll see you on Friday. Tomorrow's a rest day. Word of God speak. Would you pour down like rain? Washing my